This is the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, joined today by my buddy, Clinton Bonner. And as we get into the show today, a reminder to go ahead, give us a like out on YouTube, subscribe and hit the notification bell and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Because today, today, Clinton, I know you're fired up about this, man. We are joined today by a Seahawks defensive lineman, number 95, Miles Adams. Miles came into the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Rice University, where he was an honorable mention for the All-Conference USA team, also a finalist for the William Campbell Trophy, which goes to the player with the best combination of academics, community service, and on-field performance. And his path to the Seahawks is a story that we very much wanted to share with the Twelves, and especially the members of the flock who love this team so much. Welcome to the Seahawkers podcast, Miles. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, guys. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Hey, and before we get going with the questions, I do think it's nice to tell folks like just how gracious you were. Like, you know, I sent something out on Twitter. You give it a heart. You retweet it. Uh, and it was about you, of course, but that's okay, right? I'm, I'm, I'm showing the love. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me just approach the man and see, see if he'll come on. And you've been nothing but nothing but super great and just super cool. Super like, hey, you know, let, let's just talk, make it work. And um, quick, funny story. We're trying to make this happen on Thursday. You're like, well, Thursday's kind of busy for me. Like, it'd be better. Like, I could do it though. Like, you're so, you're so nice. You're like, I could do it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, Miles, I'm like, you're a Seattle Seahawk, man. Like, we can make it a, diff- a different day is good. Make it Friday. So again, super gracious of you. Thank you so much. And as we get going, man, so you know, we're fans. We are fans, right? That's the whole podcast is literally like by 12s, four 12s. So from us to you, how fired up are you that, you know, in your young career, this is the first time coming out of the preseason that you are on the team from Jump Street, right out of camp, right out of, you know, the preseason, and you're on the 53. How are you feeling about it? Man, I'm fired up. It's the first. So, you know, I, uh, Year, technically year three, my third pre, it's my third training camp, but yep. my first one making the initial roster. So I'm fired up, especially for Seattle. Miles, you know, we, we want the flock to kind of get to know you and, and really feel your story and, and kind of be a part of this journey emotionally. You know, like you said, you're going into year three, but I, let's go back, you know, born in 98, 20 miles outside of Dallas in Arlington, where the Cowboys play their home games. Right. Uh, so did you grow up? Was was that your hometown team then growing up? Yeah, I can't lie. It was. I was a Cowboys fan growing up. I, um, really, when I got into the league and I was a Panther first, when that's why I started rookie year, I had to kind of closet it away because, you know, still in college, you watch NFL teams, you have, your, you know, a lot of my Rice teammates, they Packers fans, Giants fans, Eagles fans here and there. You still have your banter, but then you step into the NFL, you can't really have a paper team anymore. Well, you could you could have one, right? That, now now you got one, right? It's on your helmets, on your chest, of course. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, on the paycheck, which I think the, yeah, helps. The paycheck that's, that 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 works too, right? That works too. That which is great. Uh, I'm I'm a, hey the people who pay me, I'm a fan of them. I, I like them as well. It's 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 nice. So all right, so let's let's skip a bit ahead to your college days. So you know you're you're born in Arlington, growing up a Cowboys fan. We get that. I mean you're. They're right. It's, I, it's right. I had a moment where I was a Cowboys fan in life too. My dad That's said, right. you, you know, said that. Emmett Smith is the guy like to watch. And I started watching Emmett Smith and, and then they started going to, you know, championships and stuff. And I, I became a fan. I always so, did it. Br- yeah. Brandon's a Cowboys fan growing up. The, the other uh, co-host of, of the Seahawks podcast, Adam, 
grew up a bill, you know, he was a Bills fan for a while, two guys from Montana. And then he got me, Miles. I was just, I'm gonna say true blue, true action green, growing up, growing up in Long Island with the Ke- Kelly Stauffer led two and 14 Seahawks and still loving that team all the way from the East coast. So, you know, Hey, just take, I was also a Chris Warren fan during that time. Yes, it wasn't yes. just Emmett Smith. So I, I had the posters. It was, it was the whole thing already. So, Hey, so you're off to college and you decide to go to Rice university. So, you know, somewhat local, like you could three and a half hour drive back to Arlington or so. So let's tell folks, why was Rice the choice for you? It's a tremendous school, but right, why was that the choice? And why and why was the choice? Because being an owl, being a you know a Rice owl is just freaking cool. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's an interesting place, unique place, and I appreciate it. Uh, you already hit. You already said it. I went for the uh, the prestige of the school, the degree, you know, the level of it, and uh, more so coming out of high school. My mom works for a finance company. Uh, that's actually based in the East Coast, Bain and Company. And she uh, told me they recruit very heavily from Rice. And I've always known that she works for a very renowned company. So I thought, well, plan B, you know, my dad always told me to have a plan B, having a degree from Rice, I felt would be a good one. And they were the only camp I went to uh, junior year, only one my dad would pay for. It, they were the only school that promised me they would honor my scholarship if I got hurt my senior year. So I committed before my senior season. So was football really plan A for you? From At what point did you think that football would be plan A and then business was just kind of the plan B part of it? When I got my first offer from Air Force. Then mm. I got it junior year in April before the junior season started. And it kind of put a little fire under me to kind of take it a little more serious. Uh, that, and also I've told many people this, but I was, basketball was my first love. And, uh, I remember freshman year after football season, I went to play basketball, did good. Fast forward a year later, sophomore year, I was on varsity for football and my O-line coach, who I'm very thankful for, Chad Cheesy, I always shout him out. He sat me down and told me, look, son, you have potential, but playing basketball will not get you stronger. So you need to make a decision. If you want to be good at football need a power lift. If you don't, go hoop. And I stopped playing basketball and I started power lifting. It's probably the best decision I've ever made. You said Air Force, though. Um, I, I'm just curious of what, what made you then decide that uh, over Rice versus going to one of the academies? Mm, I heard about the five-year service as an officer. Mm-hmm. And unless you're guaranteed a spot in the NFL, you're not bypassing that. And I love this country. I just, I, I, I was trying to play football. Football was playing A for me. Sure. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because, hey, if your path, you know, kind of dictated that, you know, hey, three years as as going from the UDFA, from the Panthers, and we'll, we'll, we'll traverse that in a bit. But it does make sense because if you had taken that route, well, then you might have had to had to do the service, which which would have been the deal, right? So, you know, which you knew walking in, which which is kind of, kind of neat. Um you already talked about some great teammates that you had and some and some coaches that that you're you given some credit for, which I love. So let's fast forward a bit, right? So now we're like in 2020, and this is draft day. And 2020 has got to go down as one of the weirdest years in, in human history, especially you know modern human history that we've been through, right? So COVID happens. Everything's everything's just starting in the U.S. and the NFL draft is going on. So. Were you expecting to be drafted in those seven rounds? Where, where was your brain at that point? Expecting, 
I was more so hopeful because I didn't get a combine invite, so I didn't get the center stage to get in front of all the scouts. Plus, my pro day got canceled. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a, I'm a realist, and I know reality speaking. Coming from Rice, Group Five school, we do play some good competition. I did have good film, thankfully, but most most Group Five schools aren't going to get the recognition that Power Five schools are going to get, especially like combine invites, pro day, and stuff. So. Uh, actually talking to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, keep it short and sweet, but they had a draft grade on me. And that was probably the only team that was looking to draft me, you know. And it was a late, later round projection. But uh, Carolina called right like three minutes after the draft. And I signed with them. You know, that whole undrafted free agent process is kind of intriguing to me, too, because do you end up having that call come through and then other teams calling and, and saying, well, I'm sorry, I already took this particular offer. Is there like a, a waiting period to where you get to say yes, or uh, I'll think about it. Well, well maybe take some other calls. Is it a pressure sales? Are they like, you got to buy right now? Like, Hey, Panthers yeah. are calling. You gotta, you gotta hit it. I feel like it's e- each team has, it's, it's like every play is its own entity type deal. Like every team has its own structure and, Every situation is its own. So Carolina called, they called first. And really, it was just a, a blessed situation. They had the best deal on the table. They had the best opportunity for me to make the squad in their room. Uh, another team called it was the Rams, but they were very deep in their D-line room. And they had already signed two undrafted free agent D-linemen already. So they were trying to get me on additionally. And uh, after I signed with Carolina, I think my agent said two other teams called after. But, you know, it was too late then. That make that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the Rams got a couple of guys. They get they got number ninety nine. Who's he's he's okay. He's okay, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right. So again, we're going to progress the story a bit, and and this is also folks get to get to understand you. So then you get you know like many young athletes going into the UDFA process, you're cut by the Panthers, but all the way at the end of training camp, which is like you know, first of all, that's the bat signal. Hey, this guy's got something. It's it, not not a first week cut. Not it, all the way at the end. And you resign right back to the practice squad the very next day, you know, very common practice. And then a couple of weeks later, though, you're released, right? So I think it was about two weeks later, then you're released. So you go through all these, I can only imagine like emotional roller coasters of, of where you're at. They, you know, they love me, they love me not, they love me, they love me not. And so I, I so where are you at mentally and in your heart when you say yes to the Panthers, you you then sign to the practice squad, and then a few weeks later, it's like, hey, we like you. But we're gonna we're gonna you know give you the pink slip at this point. How how does it hit you? Well, put myself back in those shoes. Then uh, as a rookie, it hits hard. It hits hard because you try to do everything perfectly, everything right, and you don't know how the NFL works yet, and you don't really realize how much of a business it is because it is one, and you don't, and you really don't understand because you're only been with one team, or at least that was my situation. I didn't get cut like you know after first game, after second game, we didn't have preseason games. Right. So we, uh, in my situation, I didn't get a chance to see how other teams operated because uh, every team is its own organization. And at that moment, it hit hard. I didn't understand it. I felt like I was doing everything right. I was told I was doing everything right, but it's the nature of the business, you know, numbers here, numbers there. We need positions for, you know, on paper, you're undrafted. They had already drafted 3D linemen ahead of me, same year. And it was one of those situations. And they actually wanted to bring me back before I signed to Seattle. So, ooh, ooh, spicy. <laughs> I wonder too, because without having those preseason games, I mean, in a year like this, so many people get so many snaps in the preseason. 
not having that, was that a concern then that, man, I, I didn't make it in this particular time. Am I going to, am I going to have that opportunity to really show other teams without having that preseason? Yeah, that you, you said it. I can't say it better myself. That's exactly how you feel. I didn't have a pro day. We didn't have an off season. Mm. We reported right before training camp. Uh, we didn't have preseason games, just scrimmages, team scrimmages. We didn't have joint practices. They weren't doing those. It was just make the squad or don't make the squad. So I'm very thankful for, you know, the scouts in the Seattle department. And I'm very thankful for Seattle because they took a chance on me after my workout. Yeah, because it was it wasn't even based on the preseason, but it was that December then that you got the call from Seattle. Yeah, well, I got the call from well, I got the call from Seattle in September. Oh, okay. I, I actually flew from Charlotte. I flew from Charlotte to Seattle to do a workout before I even left Charlotte. And um, doing during the whole COVID thing, we had a lot of quarantine rules, and so you really fly there, you sit in a hotel for five days praying you, you do enough and don't get out of shape for your workout. Thank God. And, you know, thank God I'm a God fearing man. I'm appreciative that I did enough in that workout. They said that we want to, you know, keep in touch with you and your agent. And then they like the nature of the business. I know that year they had a couple running backs get hurt. So they brought in elevated DJ Dallas. That year I remember I was looking at that. I think that's another, that's also when, uh, I think one of our safeties had gotten hurt that year. They were bringing guys in, you know, the numbers game, making sure you have the active roster, this, that, and the third. So when they finally had a chance to bring me in, I was on Thanksgiving Day. They flew me to Seattle Yeah, on Thanksgiving Day. And all of that is to just to, to get on the practice squad signed in December, like early December, right? So exactly. I just I, I think all the all the minutiae of how that actually works is so lost on, on the average fan because like it's like that's how much work goes into folks that they believe in. And, and of course, most don't, the bottom line is in the NFL, most don't make it as that's how it works, right? And to a perfect, you know, to the elite athlete level. So that, that's super cool. So you, you then, of course, you you hit the practice squad. And then in 2021, you hit it and you're, you're, you know, you're in with the organization. And, you know, I'll, I'll toot my own horn here for a second. Back in last year in preseason, Brandon and I are doing shows and I'm like, like you got to watch this Miles Adams cat. I'm like this guy just keeps making plays. You got to watch this. Dude. He's not making this up either, by the way. <laughs> this is a true fact. True fact, right? So you know we, we definitely built this up long enough. So, but you go through that, and then again, you still don't yet make make the squad yet. So again, that mental roller coaster. Uh, are you like? Are you? Cool and, and you know mentally with the Seahawks organization. Are you understanding of it? Because from my perspective, I was like, this guy's showing out. And a year ago, I'm like, he should be on the 53. So where were you? So, yeah, a year later, put myself in those shoes. Um, it, like, 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 you really, y'all are, y'all are really did your research. Like, <laughs> amazing. Uh, that's exactly how I felt. Uh, I felt good. I felt cool. I was confident. Personally, uh, that Raiders game, that first game, that was my first NFL action ever. And I, uh, you know, we didn't get preseason games, so I hadn't played football competitively, you know, where we can tackle quarterbacks and everything since 2019 at Rice. And finally getting a chance to in 2021, this is two years later, and now it's at the big stage in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, and, you know, playing for the Seattle Seahawks. So that game, I felt I was a little rusty. 
Broncos game. They played understandably, the right? Two years, right? <laughs> Two years, right? Yeah. Just a little bit, you know, lesser after, you know. Uh, <laughs> there was the Broncos game, second game. I did decent. Played one of my old former teammates from Rice that game too, Calvin Anderson. Shout out to him. Nice, and, cool. Uh, and Chargers game uh, really got comfortable. And I, luckily enough, with me on the team, you know, had some production, got a half a sack, I believe, and tag, a couple tackles at TFL, and it was just a way better game. And um, I didn't know if I had done enough, but I knew that I had put some good stuff on film. So when I talked to, you know, the front office and everything, it was just a great conversation. And that's where you see the difference in, you know, organizations and what the, like, you know, what they see in you, what they don't. And it's really just, uh, I was in different, I was in a different role. I was in a different situation. I wasn't a rookie anymore. I had already been on practice squads the year prior, even if it was split up in time. So I knew a little bit of how the NFL worked. I had some experience. I had perspective. So talking to, you know, Coach Pete Carroll, general manager John Snyder, and talking to the guys, I understood that they saw, they liked what they saw, and they made that clear to me. Um, and they said that, you know, they, they, they didn't lie. They said down the road, we want to, you know, keep developing, keep grinding, keep stacking, you know, your progression. And I was able to get two games uh, elevation last year. Yeah. And so when you when you don't make the 53 last year, though, is there a point where other teams are calling then or is or do you <laughs> just know that, OK, they've they've told me that, yes, I haven't made the 53, but they've they've committed to to wanting me to stick around. You know, I just the, I know where I want to be at this point. How does that work exactly? Yeah, I do believe after the Chargers game, uh, some of the, you know, so like I know he's, he's our D-line coach now, but he had came to me and said, well, you kind of showed out yesterday <laughs> about you. And I, that's when I was like, OK, so I I, I put some people on notice. Um, I was able, yeah, able to put some good stuff on tape, like I said. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that process works. That's more so my agent talk. Because you know I don't I don't handle that, but I think I think that 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 uh, actually getting preseason games helped me out tremendously. For sure. So again, I, I'm a like a sucker, and like I want to know about the detail because I think it's fun. The first game you get called up for, right? So it's it's late December. It's just before Christmas. It's December 21st, and if people go back and flip the calendar, you're going to realize it's a Tuesday night, which is you know COVID. Tuesday night versus the Rams, right? How does it actually work? Do you get a phone call? Do what do they do to be like, hey, you're up? Like, how does that? Like, what is it? A phone call? Is it a text? Who tells you first? Uh, for me personally, it was Coach Hurt as, as nice. his defensive line coach. You know, my D line coach last year. He just came up to me in one of our walkthroughs and said, "Hey, you're up. You're up this week." And he told me before the game got postponed to Tuesday. So, because we had the work, then it got postponed after, you know, all the stuff came out and, you know, figuring out the numbers of both of our teams with the outbreaks and stuff. So I knew, I want to say that Saturday, going into the Sunday game, and that's really how it goes. You, you can find out the day before. You can find out, I think, up to 90 minutes before the game that you'll be dressing. Nice. That's what, that's usually what I find out, by the way, Miles. So, like, you know, that's... that's <laughs> yeah, typically. when the Seahawks PR tweets it out, that's that's when we know. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. But yeah, but just in our shoes in the building, you just always have to be ready because a situation like that, you just you know that that's the opportunity, and you got to be ready for it. I remember being so mad before that game too, 
because one, <laughs> I, I forget how many Rams players had contracted COVID or were, were forced right. out with COVID. And then, you know, here they are, they're in position. It felt like the NFL was catering to the Rams to shift that game just a little bit so all their stars could be back just in time to all play. Right, all right, all right. Brandon, Brandon's <laughs> going to negative town. We love it. Brandon, bring it, bring it back. Okay. Bring okay. it back to the man. <laughs> I just I can't I can't get that out of my head. How upset I was because of it. That yep yeah, yep yeah, we understand. I'm sure, I'm sure Miles does as well, right? So again, Miles, we're fans, right? That, that that's a one. We're always gonna be fans, and and no, we do not like the Rams, and we we like the we, we like the 49ers a lot less too. As you should. Correct. All right. So you finish the 2021 season. You you go on to be a standout the entire preseason in 2022. You get the spot on the 53-man roster. Shoot, on the final game, Miles, you were the one non-quarterback, non-coach who got to be on the podium answering questions to the reporters. Uh, that was super cool. So let's let's talk 2022 Seahawks. Tell us about your defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt. You, you've talked about him, kind of how he's talked you through some of this process. Uh, you know, he loves the trenches. What is Coach Clint Hurt like? Coach Clint Hurt is... Uh, I feel like what you see is what you get. You guys are fans. I'm sure you've seen clips of him on the sideline, but he's a he's a great coach. Coach Hurt is a great coach. I think he's he's a good man, and he's always, uh, I guess, had uh, had me under his wing in his corner. You know, taking me along and really showing me the ropes of the NFL and how to be a professional. Showing me like um, I wouldn't say too much directly and hands on, but kind of pointing me in directions of certain players to you know go talk to like. Guys like, you know, Carlos Dunlap last year and his veteran presence, Al Woods, you know, yeah. very thankful for him, Puna Ford, you know, LJ, all the guys in the, in, the, in the room that we had last year. And then this stepping into a new role this year, you know, he's a first year defensive coordinator, he's doing a great job. Defense is fun. Yeah, I love Coach Hurt. That's and you, you don't got to say it, but I will that uh, my prediction is that he is the next, you know, the next. Seahawks head coach in, in, in hopefully maybe maybe a few years down the line after after one more Lombardi. So, but that's just a little early prediction. So, hey, the Seahawks, we they they trade the star QB. National media, I mean, hey, national media is down, right? Just across the board on the Seahawks. What can you say to folks that what what are like what's the average national media fan missing or Seahawks fan missing? From a defensive perspective, like what are you seeing day in day out about this defense that you would want to share with with the 12s and share with anybody listening to say, all right, we get you. We understand why you have a perspective like that and try seeing it our way. What, what do you think about this defense this year? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I definitely need a little example of what, what, is, the, what is the general you know, perspective from 12s about our defense? Because I can speak on how I feel, but I don't really – I try not to read too much into, you know, various, you know, media outlets. I try to stay focused in the building because Smart truth, man. truthfully, you know, you know, we're, and being in the building, you know, what goes on day in and day out. So you can't really fall into the hype of certain situations. You just got to put the work in. So what, what, what is the general perspective? I think, Miles, part of it, too, is that the defense was so dominant. For such a, a, a big period of time, you know, from 2011, 2012, 2013, uh, the the Legion of Boom type era, then yeah. you get to this point, and and really Russell Wilson has kind of brought more of the focus to the offensive side of the ball, 
And I, I feel like the focus has shifted off the defense a bit. So Bobby Wagner goes to the Rams in the offseason. So it almost feels like um, maybe more of a, a rebuilding process on the on the defensive side. Although, I mean, gosh, you still have Jamal. You still have Quandre. You still have dudes up front. But still, the, the, there's young talent that I don't know that uh, we've really got a chance to see as Seahawks fans. And, you know, from a national perspective, I, I mean, I don't know if they could name uh, <laughs> more than two players on the defense. So, what, like Clinton said, what would we be missing apart, you know, just not knowing a whole lot of the, the younger folks on the team? Who should we really be watching out for this season? You know, the, who's, who's kind of been on your radar from from the defensive perspective. I got to shout out my middle linebacker, Jordan Brooks. Nice. Have to. Uh, good friend, good teammate. And I, the message that I'm going to send out to 12s, to the, you know, whoever listens, left listening in the world, you know, the country, is that we're working. We're working very hard. And I think the work is being put in. Uh, good work. And I think uh, we're going to be, we're going to produce great results. Uh, we showed a lot of flashes of great, I, I say dominant performances in certain drives. I think we uh, put a lot together. The young guys got a lot of snaps in the Cowboys game in Arlington. And I think we we're able to showcase, you know, certain calls in the defense that we're that we're going to solidify and be concrete on. But we're working. And I'd also say don't, uh, don't buy into the hype or buy into the <laughs> you know, a specific face or a specific player, just watch the defense and try to understand the defense and see what we're doing because I think they'd love to, they, they, they'd understand, you know, all the components because it's a big puzzle. I feel like we got glimpses, right, in, in preseason a little bit. I, I just mm -hmm. think back to the start of the Bears game and it, it felt like the defense was moving so fast uh, at the start of that Bears game. And I just... I, as teams, they don't seem to want to show everything as much as I think as fans, we'd like to see, like, what is this team going to be like week one? I, I kind of want to know, like, out of the preseason, what we saw, like, what was there a point to where this is what we're going to really be able to expect from from what we saw during these particular moments? Yeah, uh, I don't, I'm not going to be the be the guy but uh <laughs> smart once again smart yeah i'm the guy but i will say we have a lot of lot of lot of guys in in position across the board that can play really good ball i think that we have put a lot of good things on tape especially in camp and in our practices and i'm excited to see everybody that's you know everybody on the roster that's going to dress play on this monday night game i'm excited to see how we can how we can uh, farewell, you know, to Russell coming back in town with his new team. Mm -hmm. You're right, right. So we can't we can't blame Brandon for trying, right? You got to try. You got to you know, shooters got to shoot, right? Um, all right. So let's talk about you know, let's talk about your game and what you cherish. So I got I got one for you. Listen, you we see what you do right up right up front, and again, I've I've coined it as like difference maker, and I've I've actually taken the metaphor, the analogy of like I'm a baseball guy too. And like specialists who come in and offer something different, who could actually you you create you create things right in the middle, and you cause you cause you know centers and guards some some trouble. It's very it's clear as day that that you've got something special cooking there. So do you cherish when you get a sack on a quarterback or a tackle for a loss on, on a running back or a wide receiver? 
Which one means more to you and why? The sack means more. It's harder to get. Why? Um, I can tell you the variety of ways it's harder. Um, you don't get true pass ups and true drop back pass opportunities often. Usually they come on second and long or third down situations. Also, um, route concepts in the NFL, the game is very fast. So the ball comes out sometimes in under two seconds. And unless you are just winning completely clean, you're not getting there in two seconds. So um, stopping the run is like a D lineman's foundation. Mm-hmm. Why well, I say getting a TFL is a flashy play, but a D lineman is supposed to be able to stop the run. Now, a D lineman that can stop the run and pass rush is a really good player. And that's what I'm striving to be. Uh, you know, I'm tough to be candid with you guys. I missed the sack on Kenny Pickett. If you were watching that Steelers game, I wish I Oh, did. we were watching. We were watching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're very hard to come by. So getting a sack is just, I compare it to a receiver getting a touchdown versus first down. There you go. Also helps to pay the bills, right? You get them sack numbers. I know it's not about that for you specifically, but the glory stats are what they are, right? Tackles for a loss should probably be elevated more, uh, you know, just nationally, but sacks are sacks, right? So that's it. That, love it. Love it. And that might be why I view sacks higher too. <laughs> love it. All right. Well, I kind of whiffed on my, my trying to get specific with the, the question earlier. So I'm, I, I'm going to try and hope for a more general answer on this one because I know, I know you're a trenches guy, Miles, and we have a stellar safety group, a, a young fast cornerback room, uh, you know, uh, you shouted out Jordan Brooks, who is potential all pro, I think, at linebacker. And so as a unit, how do the 2022 Seahawks, how do they plan on getting opposing offenses off their game plan and, and kind of into that panic mode? Uh, we have a lot of different, uh, I'd say, looks. Um, the defense, it's all on the table. Uh, Coach Hurd is not a shy man. And... Um, we're not a shy defense. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to be the most dominant defense in the NFL. We're trying to get off the field every third down. We're not trying to give up any yards, rushing-wise, passing-wise, nothing over the top. We're trying to be a style defense. So uh, just specifically, you know, like you said, in the safety room, the corner room, linebacker room, and then D-line, you know, I feel like the engine starts up front. You know, once the D-line starts humming, it makes the job easier for everybody else. So that's what you can expect. We're, we're, I think we're all excited for some fun and uh, seeing, that, seeing that fire out there. So we're going to flip it over to the other side of the ball. We love defense. Brandon loves defense. I love defense. Miles, I have an inkling that you love defense too. But you also played offense back in your high school days because, yes, we did do our research. And so flipping it over to the other side of the ball, exactly. Seahawks go out there. And they draft, you know, we draft Cross, we draft Abe Lucas. And as Seahawks fans, I got to tell you, we're enjoying the house of pancakes we're seeing being served up on film. Pancake, 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 great feet, great, great set. You know, the mentals, the whole thing, the whole thing working already. You're up against them every day of the week. What are you seeing from a young offensive line that is curious to you, that's giving, that's giving you joy, that's making you better? What's it like for you? Well, first, I want to shout out to my man, Charles, for taking 67 off me, giving me a... <laughs> you got you got, a, you got the 95 now, legit, right? Definitely want to shout out my man now, man. But on the, on, on the, on the question, uh, both guys, very good players. 
great players. I think the upside is high for both of them. Um, they have different skill sets, different things that they specialize in that they're really great at. Uh, but both the things that they're really great at, they're really great at. And you guys saw it on film. You see it in, you know, the snaps and the statistics and stuff like that. I'm excited to see them play, you know, in primetime football under the big lights. I'm definitely excited to see their game elevate this year. I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's in store for our offense with them, you know, the two new additions we have. We really have more than two new additions, but you speak about the offensive line. I'm really excited to see what Aiden Charles do. All right. Well, on to the important stuff. Uh, (laughs) Do you have a nickname within the building at the VMAG? Do you have something that players and coaches are calling you? Or is it just Miles? (laughs) No, I have have a couple. Uh, The main one would probably be Meezy. Meezy? Okay. Yeah, Meezy. M-E-E-Z-Y. Measy, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that comes from my D-line coach, man. We're both from Texas, so we kind of have that thing uh, coming black and measy. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, so. Measy for sure. So we crafted a few. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna throw these at you, you know, like like fat, fast pitch style. If you if you don't like them, you smack them right back in our face. We can handle it. We, we're okay. We're all right. But, me, you know, measy sounds pretty good. So first one for the wrestling fans out there, pile driver Adams. Pile driver, and- pile driver, like Miles Piles, pile driver. I, I didn't think that one was good either. That why that's why it's the first one, Miles. It's the first one. All right. I mean, I, fun, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say fun fact, but I didn't grow up watching wrestling. I'm sorry. I know everyone to judge me, but I didn't grow up watching wrestling, so I do not know what a pile driver even is. All right. So that that one's a fail, Brandon. You got the next one. All right. Uh, Sack Adams. Uh, maybe play on Sam Adams, uh, the famous uh, Seahawks defensive lineman. Sure. Uh, there's Patch Adams from Robin Williams. You know, if you ever saw that uh, movie growing up, again, we're early on sack the list. Adams. Sack Adams. What do you think? Put, put a pin in Sack Adams. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That, that, we got we got one. We got one so far. All right. So, all right. So if you're a fan of Loki and the Marvel Universe, now Kang the Conqueror is coming into to the play. If you want to go old school, Alexander the Great. What do you think about Miles the Disruptor? Miles the Disruptor. Mm. How's that feel? Doesn't roll off the tongue, but I like the message. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Brandon. What's, right. what's the fourth? All right. See, I think the problem is, and where you really failed on this one, Clinton, is we didn't expect him to have a good nickname like Meezy. He, he he's got the he's got the nickname already. It's it's, it's crushed. Yeah, it's okay. okay. But give okay. the fourth. Give last, the fourth. Last right. one. Uh, short and sweet. Havoc. Havoc Adams. I like. Mm-hmm. That. What do you think? Havoc. Havoc. Yeah, man. It's what you cause. Hey, I like it. I think we have a winner, Brandon. What do you say? Okay. Right. It may, may not be the one he already has, but uh, we can go with that one. Well, Measy inside the VMAC, Havoc outside of that one little geographic location. Havoc Adams. You know, it's a I thing want now. you to know, Miles, I had no input on selecting these nicknames, by the way. So I <laughs> am hands off on this one. And I want you to know, at uh, Miles, that I prepared the, the Google Doc two days ago and shared it. So he had ample time to have input. <laughs> So there we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have many nicknames, but inside the VMAC, yeah, Measy is what's inside the Measy. All right. So maybe we'll just go with Measy and then maybe we'll, hey, I might be tagging on Twitter, start saying Measy slash, you know, Havoc. We'll see what sticks. We'll, we'll see what the, I, what the, the people want. Look, Miles mentioned that he had the the invite to, to Air Force. And, yes. you know, when you're in the military, you don't get to choose your nickname. You just have right. it bestowed upon you. And awesome. so I think that uh, I think that after a few weeks, hopefully after a three sack performance against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, 
we he, Miles earns that Havoc nickname, and week two, everybody's calling him Havoc. Right. The, the national media is like, oh, it's Havoc Adams. Now we get it. Uh, and and I'm, I'm with it, man. So, so Miles, man, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Seahawks podcast. Again, I want folks to know that from Jump Street, you were gracious, you were humble, you were, you were in it to, to work with us to find the right time, and that means the world to us. The 12s out there, the interview was with intent and purpose so that every morsel of it, people could understand your story because it's a great story. You're 24 years old. You're three, you know, three years into this journey. This is your first crack at a full NFL season with COVID behind us. Coach Hurt, Coach Carroll, a different Seahawks team, but, but a passionate, passionate fan base that is behind you and wants to see number 95 just doing your thing. So we're, we're going to be cheering you on. And from the bottom of our hearts, man, we thank you for joining us, man. Man, I thank you for having me, both of you guys. Brandon, Clint, I thank you so much. Uh, thank you for calling me gracious and humble. I try to be. Uh, it's how I was raised. But I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Twelves have been nothing but great to me since I've gotten to Seattle. So love to talk to them. And I think with that, Clinton? Only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>